Listen to WGN Radio's newest podcast, Behind the Badge, Illinois, hosted by David Hochberg. Behind the Badge, Illinois, views current events through the eyes of Illinois law enforcement leaders. Tune in. Visit WGNRadio.com slash Behind the Badge. Here's Nylander in the Oilers' own sharp angle. Shot, he scores! Here's Seabrook, great circle, fires, he scores! Oh, he's leveled by Andrew Shaw with a thunderous check. Here's a loose bucket from the score! It's on! Shoot, he scores! The cat connects with a one-timer. It's time for another episode of Blackhawks Crazy. Presented by FanList. Keith will move it ahead to Shaw. To Doc over the Sabre line down the left. He scores! Kirby Doc! Here's Doc with the back and he scores! Kirby Doc! The first two-goal night of Kirby Doc's career. Chris Bowden and Joe Brand break down the latest storylines surrounding your favorite Chicago hockey team. Each game I'm getting better and pushing myself to strive to be better. That's hockey, baby! Here's Chris Bowden and Joe Brand. Hi, everyone. Welcome to a fresh edition of the Blackhawks Crazy Podcast presented by FanList alongside our trusty Blackhawks reporter, Joe Brand, one of many hats that he wears. I'm Chris Bowden, your pre- and post-game host on WGN Radio for Blackhawks Radio. After a 3-2 shootout victory Sunday against the Blue Jackets in Columbus to start a three-game road trip in the right fashion, uh, we'll uh, hear some of the post-game reaction, interesting as it is, as Robin Leonard is able to come through in a shootout. And we'll also hear uh, as well from head coach Jeremy Colleton. Plus, we'll uh, also take your slap shots questions, as few as they were here once again this week. And uh, also hear from Kirby Doc and Dennis Gilbert, a couple of guys I had a chance to catch up to over the course of the past week. Hope everyone had a Merry Christmas as we look forward to what was hopefully a very happy 2020 that we ring in come uh, what is it? Tuesday night into Wednesday. But for the here and now, Joe did such a great job reading the fan list promo uh, that we're going to have him do it again. So uh, he is he has earned the job at least for a second consecutive week. Something tells me he's not going to be able to do the the one on the podcast next week. But uh, Joe, take it away. Well, I, I appreciate your willingness to give this up. As uh, I'll be your Corey Crawford. It's all about your, sacrifice. Your Robin Leonard of not being able to do the shootout. I'll do the uh, promo read. Blackhawks. Yeah, but you won two cups. <laughs> Blackhawk Crazy Podcast is sponsored by FanList. FanList is the best platform for season ticket holders to sell their tickets. Are you a Blackhawk season ticket holder who sells multiple games? Get over to FanList.com slash Blackhawks Crazy spelled F-A-N-L-Y-S-T dot com. FanList partners with multiple ticket marketplaces and list tickets for sale across all marketplaces all at once. Sites like StubHub, Vivid Seats, SeatGeek, GameTime, and many more. And they do all the work. Multiple marketplaces will increase your ticket exposure, causing tickets to sell faster and for higher prices. Plus, FanList is free to use. Registration and listing tickets are free. When tickets sell, when tickets sell, FanList charges the industry standard 15% of the final sale price. It's the same rate that all those major marketplaces charge. There are no hidden costs or added fees to use FanList. It's the best way for you as a season ticket holder to sell your tickets. Go to FanList.com slash BlackHawksCrazy to receive a $20 bonus on your first sale. That's F-A-N-L-Y-S-T dot com slash BlackHawksCrazy. Thanks to FanList. For, I am the Wally Pip now of uh, FanList <laughs> Reads right now. I've uh, taken a seat to uh, to... Lou Gehrig, or Joe Brand, as he is better known here. I uh, hope everyone, as we said, had a, a very Merry Christmas. Joe, I hope uh, you certainly did. And uh, now we look ahead to the new year, but we also look back on uh, a crazy game. First of all, the Blackhawks able to bounce back on Friday night against the Islanders from that horrible game in which uh, we uh, followed with a podcast last week on our, on our most recent Blackhawks Crazy podcast, that game against New Jersey. But they came back from the three-day holiday break. Solid effort for Robin Leonard and the Blackhawks against his former team Friday night, 5-2 the victory. And things weren't looking very good on Sunday after 40 minutes of play. Down against a Columbus team that is injury-riddled, but still found a way to go 6-0-3. But good on the Blackhawks. There's some drama involved as well. But all in all, pretty gutsy effort against a team that's been stingy late in games. And the Blackhawks able to come through with two real important points to get this trip off on the right foot. Yeah, the term hard-fought, well-deserved two points was being talked about a lot today, which... 
Right when I heard it, I felt, ah, oh, that's kind of surprising. You know, this seems like a game that they had no business in winning, and yet here they come across two more points in a game that they didn't play all that well in certain spots. But, heck, I guess that's the definition of a hard-fought two points. One, the thing is, it's just so interesting, the different team we see on the ice in the same jersey. Jeremy Colleton always talks about inconsistency, but it's not just inconsistency in games, it's in periods, too. I mean, the the New Jersey game that looked so terrible right before Christmas was a decent first period, and then everything went downhill. And then the Islanders game, a, a totally different output. And then today, a game in which the Hawks got better. Now, there were still some struggles with the power play unit. There were still some struggles just with overall game management and puck management. But they got better, and they made accommodations to the team they were playing. They made some changes, some tweaks, and it worked out in their favor. It was a team-friendly win. I know I say that phrase a lot, but it really was with the way they were able to extend it into overtime, the way they were able to extend it into a shootout, even though if you asked John Tortorella that, he wouldn't be too (laughs) pleased about it, which hopefully we'll get into later, but... But heck, this was just this was a gutsy win, and uh, you know, good on the Blackhawks for pulling out too tonight. Yeah, let's uh, let's get to Tortorella here momentarily. First of all, Slater Cuckoo, who uh, Jeremy Collinson decides to keep in the lineup after a solid effort on Friday night, he benches or healthy scratches Olimata. But for the third time by my count in sixteen games this year. Slater Cuckoo, the victim of an own goal. There was the opener in Prague, the deflection on the on the Flyers' uh, power play that went in past Corey Crawford. There was one other home game I can't recall, but there was one other one this year where the puck deflected off him and into the net. And then on Columbus's first goal, it goes off of Cuckoo's skate past Robin Leonard, who is fooled by the misdirection. All of a sudden, Columbus is up one nothing. They're up two nothing before the second period ends when Eric Gustafson has puck management issues. Once again, it's it's something that uh, you're you know uh, you hate to see from a guy the longer he stays in the NHL. But again, this jumping up and biting Eric Gustafson, who did get his redemption later in the game on the power play as he scores on that power play, a power play that once again did not look good at all for the first uh, three instances. But they're able to get some traffic in front of the net first on the Dylan Strom goal that got them to within two one, and then Ryan Carpenter on a power play unit gets in front and then is able to provide a screen on Eric Gustafson's power play goal with a little over two minutes remaining. And then things really got interesting in the overtime because yeah, Nick Foligno takes a high stick. Hawks unable to come through on that power play. It looks stagnant once again with the bigger stars on the ice. And then a too many men on the ice call against the Blackhawks with 19 seconds to go or 18.1 as it showed on the clock. And uh John Tortorella afterwards in his press conference, which we'll hear momentarily, because he was enraged by the way things happened after that, thought there should have been an extra second on the clock from when the whistle was blown to where the clock stopped on the scoreboard. To me, that's a nationwide arena issue with his with his timekeepers and whatnot. And it turns out that uh, Zach Wierenski scores what appears to be the game-winning goal but it occurs, it crosses the line after the green light goes on, which signifies the end of time, uh, end of uh, time in that particular period, in this case, the overtime. So it negates the potential game winning goal. They go on to a shootout. And Jonas Corpusella, who's been playing so well for Columbus, gets injured on Jonathan Tave's shootout goal. Elvis Merzlikens has to come in ice cold, and Patrick Kane scores against him. And lo and behold, Robin Leonard comes in and makes one of two saves and then it gets saved by a post on <laughs> Nathan Gerby's uh, third round attempt there and it was like Robin Leonard and the Hawks just won the Stanley Cup after that. It was a mob <laughs> scene afterward and we'll hear from Leonard here momentarily too. Well, I tweeted it out. That probably had to be the most excited Robin Leonard has ever been to get to a shootout. Basically on his back, he hears the goal horn but he also hears the expiration horn. That was the thing. Today watching the game with you here at the WGN Studios, I, I haven't done that since my producing days so I remember hearing the horn meaning end of regulation but then you hear shoots scores you hear the goal horn you hear the cannon you hear the cheering of the crowd but just audibly I'm like well that that doesn't sound right the the sequence of events and yeah they they took a look at it okay it looks like the refs got that call right but yeah if you rewind to 20 seconds before the end of overtime uh I, I guess just the end of overtime yeah Tortorella's got some beef with that and heck 
you can't blame him for what he did. He wants to make an impact with whoever is in charge, whether it is the people at Nationwide Arena or the people up in Toronto. He says he's not going to ask any blank questions, so he just storms out. I mean, he's got to make a point. He's got to back up his team. You can't blame him whatsoever. It's uh, it's interesting. I, I don't remember what happened in that sequence, or rather, I don't remember looking at the clock, so I'll have to go back and see that. Um, but, heck, the Hawks are... Uh, the Hawks aren't going to complain about catching a break for the first mm-hmm. time in a while. Yeah. So let's hear Tortorella himself, because this lasts only about 45 seconds or so. This is his entire press conference after storming into the room in Columbus, where he usually holds his press conference or his briefing with reporters after games, which sometimes gets contentious even after wins. That's the way John Tortorella is. Oh, I remember here in Chicago watching the television feed and the score bug saying, 18.1 seconds on the clock when the Blackhawks were whistled for too many men on the ice. And here's Tortorella's explanation why he was fuming so much in thinking that there should have been an extra second and therefore that would have been, that would have allowed Columbus to end up winning the game on that goal by Wierenski. Here's the Blue Jackets head coach in not a very Christmassy mood afterwards. So the whistle blows, the whistle is blown at 19.2 on the clock for some reason the clock has run down a second and a tenth to 18.1 for whatever reason i have no idea so instead of resetting the clock we have them tell our captain we're not going to do it toronto doesn't step in refs don't do their freaking job and now we lose the game and we lose our goalie so the chain of events if it was done right we don't lose our goalie, we win the hockey game. So all this God technology, right? The technology and getting things right, the stubbornness tonight by the officials and by the league and Toronto, however it's supposed to work, screws us. It's ridiculous. I'm not taking any God. Classic torts right there, and uh, I'm glad I'm not uh, a usual media member uh, following the Blue Jackets. Uh, I know Brian Hedger used to work here in Chicago. He's he's now uh, reporting for the Columbus Dispatch and has to has been uh, dealing with torts for a couple of years now. But um, yeah, exactly. We'd have to go back and watch the tape, hear when the whistle was blown, see how much more time ticked off. He probably looked at it. Uh, for his own video review immediately after the game and got his fires burned a little bit more. And if that's the case, he has an issue. But is that an issue with the scorekeeping people over at Nationwide Arena or is it an NHL issue? Nevertheless, he's not a happy camper. But uh, one guy who's a happy camper, Robin Leonard. And you mentioned to me, you mentioned, shared some of the numbers before we hear from Robin in surviving a shootout uh just what the struggles were. I kind of we knew in general what it was, but here as a Blackhawk in particular, it seemed to compound himself going in, compound itself going into this game against Columbus. Yeah, his last three shootouts, he had given up six consecutive shootout goals. But again, I just think it was the type of circumstance that they had today. They were lucky to get to overtime. Not lucky. They were they were glad to get to overtime. There was some luck in there, but there was some hard work too. And the same situation for the shootout because don't forget the Blackhawks had a power play opportunity in overtime. They let that slip away. Then they escape out of being shorthanded in overtime. Maybe catch a little bit of luck with the second uh, confrontation that happened, but they were happy to get to a shootout, and I'm guessing that had to help a little bit with Robin Leonard, but when we do get to him, listen to what he says about Zach Smith helping him out. I thought that was a nice move by Zach Smith. You'll hear it when Leonard talks about it, but again, it was a situation that brought them to the shootout that I think helped Robin Leonard. And also, I feel like this is a guy that maybe is starting to get a little bit more comfortable with, with everything going on. He had a very uh, ego-friendly victory against his former team in the New York Islanders. So it was just a good opportunity to kind of going into a shootout with your mind clear. And I think he stood up to the challenge very well. well let's, uh, without further ado, let's, let's hear what Robin had to say after surviving. He improves to 9-23 and all-time in shootouts. He gets his first one here with the Blackhawks. A stop, a goal against, and a little help iron kind to Robin Leonard on Nathan Gerby's attempt that ended up sealing the game. Here's Robin afterwards. Big, uh, big third period once again from you guys on the road. Yeah, no, again... Uh, Columbus played really well today. Um, came at us hard. I think the, the we could battle through the second period. Uh, 
and keep it at two nothing was uh, big for us. And I think coming in here and the intermission, just kind of stick with it again. Same message, uh, stick with it. Uh, doesn't matter how long time it takes. We got one goal and uh, guest steps up, huge goal for us, and we got life back. And but I thought it was a hell of a hockey game. I thought they played really, really well, and uh, it was really nice to get this one. Yeah, no, uh, definitely because this is a uh, one of those games. You know, I think the maybe the first two periods we didn't deserve to win this game, but that's how hockey works. Sometimes we stuck with it. We got our goals, and we really battled really hard to to get back and to lose this one in a shootout would been it would have been tough. You know, because uh, uh, felt like the guys just with what we did, we deserved to kind of come through there and. It was a really nice feeling for me to get that. Were you, were you feeling it before you were out there thinking about the, how you given up shootout goals before? Yeah, I, again, everyone can keep speculating. I'm, when I go into the shootout, um, I don't feel any type of different pressure or anything on me. It's just uh, I've been, not been very good at it. I tried a little different uh, tactic today. Uh, I just kind of stood there, and uh, uh, Zach Smith, uh, before the shootout started, told me... Uh, a really, really bad story that kind of got my mind off of it. So, uh, credit to him. Did you invent something? I can't tell. It was just a. You just put it in my head, and that was all I was thinking about. What was a different tactic? I, I, I just stood on the on the line today. I didn't move. So, maybe I'll try that uh, going forward. But hell of a hawk, uh, hell of a win, and I thought Columbus had a hell of a game. And um, but we battled through it. We stuck together, and uh, we did the right things again, and we got uh, rewarded. Did you, know, did you know that goal at the end of the break? Was it, you know what? It happened quick. You know, I, I threw myself out there. And, you know, when that happens, things go really quick. And I felt like I heard, uh, heard the signal before I kind of felt that the shot came through. So, uh, But they told me pretty quick that it wasn't a goal. So that was nice. And, again, hell of a hockey win. We needed this one, and we got to keep building. How important was it? I mean, you guys didn't take one step forward, and you lose this one probably would have felt like the same thing. Yeah, maybe, but you know, I think you can't underestimate this team. They're a hell of a such well-coached team. They work really, really hard. They have good players, and I, again, I thought, uh, yeah, the first two periods we we went away from our game a little bit again. I didn't think we kind of turned the puck over and stuff today. I think they just worked harder than we did the first two periods, and uh, the second period they had a lot of chances. They had a lot, a lot of chances, but we uh, battled hard. Uh, I. Got some saves. The demon helped me really well. Clear rebounds, stuff like that. So um, we stuck with it. And uh, again, in the third, uh, a little bit different tactic. Not just go for it. Just let it come. Get a goal. Get momentum, and see what happens from there. So uh, it's a it's quite a step forward for us, I think. And we got to just keep building. See one one game at a time. The, the fact that you guys consecutive starts too, and they showed you confidence. Doing no, it's uh, yeah, for sure. Uh, you know, uh, you want to play. Uh, everyone wants to play. It's no different uh, with me. And uh, yeah, it's uh, we'll see what happens. But uh, you know, we we have. I think we have two really really good goaltenders, and uh, whenever we get the chance, uh, we'll do our best. And uh, but it was nice. I think. I think I got two games last week too. Yeah, so it's it's what it is. I just look at it, whatever I get a chance. I'll I'll do my best to uh, for the guys to have a chance to win. In addition to the post game comments, there were the post game tweets from uh, from Robin Leonard as well. They're they're always classic. You always like hearing them. There's the tweet of him as Panda falling off of a tree stump, and then uh, a follow up tweet saying, "Finally won the lottery." Dot 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 smiley face um uh by keyboard not by emoji uh by keyboard <laughs> robin leonard finally winning the lottery by winning the shootout and i thought it was real interesting here and the decision by jeremy Carlton to start robin leonard a a second consecutive game here for the most part it's been back and forth between him and Corey, and Corey has himself an excellent lifetime record against columbus as well but last handful of games Corey's play not bad, but just perhaps a little bit of a notch below Robin Leonard. He was certainly victimized in that Monday game against New Jersey. And with Robin now winning four consecutive starts, uh, five consecutive starts now, four heading into this game, 
having the hot hand, I think this is, you know, nothing against Corey, but a realization by Jeremy Carlton where we are in the standings right or where the Blackhawks are in the standings right now. I say we, it's them in the standings right now. And the importance, if you have a goalie who's playing a little bit of a notch higher than your other one, you're at the time of the season now as we approach calendar flipping time from 2019 to 2020 that you want to ride the hot hand a little bit. It ended up working on Sunday, and I'm interested to see whether this continues going into uh, Calgary and Vancouver. I think you're fair to make that point, saying that Robin Leonard may be a, a smidge better than Corey Crawford right now, a smidge of the hotter hand, but but also when you've got two goaltenders playing at the elite level like they are right now, any time you choose one over the other, there's going to be a discussion. of like, whoa, what's, what's up? Why is Robin Leonard starting instead of Corey Crawford? I, I just think it's this guy's rolling right now. Again, a, a very good win for him against his former team, against the Islanders. That had to feel, feel felt great for him. Now you got him riding on a high with picking up a shootout win, but I'd imagine he'll go back to Corey Crawford in, in Calgary. Um, and, and if that happens, or, or the fact that that is more likely to happen than Robin Leonard is more likely to know he has a day off in the game against Calgary. But again, this this goaltending duo has been so consistent this year and so interchangeable that it typically hasn't mattered who has come in. It, it just makes it that easier for Jeremy Colleton to stick with somebody while trying to avoid any type of controversy. But now the other thing you got to keep in mind is the last time Corey Crawford was on the ice was when he asked to be off the ice, the mm-hmm. beginning of the New Jersey Devils game. And that was a very interesting circumstance, too, saying he waved to the bench. Colleton said he didn't see the wave, but he was going to make a change anyway. So, yeah, I mean, if you throw that into the account, too, maybe that has a little bit more substance, but... I think everyone's moved past that right now because basically everything that happened in that New Jersey game would like to be out the window. Um, and it's just a matter of moving forward with it. So, I, again, with, with the way this duo of goaltenders has been this year, there's there's really no wrong choice so right you, now. You think he will go to, back to Corey and Calgary? I do. I do. Right, I'm going to say he's going to go back to Robin and, and st- stick with the hot hand and try to manage those feelings that, that Corey may and Corey's been extremely professional about that uh, so far. Of course, Jeremy Calton after the game wasn't going to announce his starting goalie for <laughs> Tuesday night in Calgary, so we won't know what the answer is probably until uh, Tuesday's uh, morning skate against the as they prepare to take on the Flames. But here's the head coach after uh, a very hard-earned two points and a hard-fought 3-2 shootout victory. Didn't like our first period at all, but uh, I thought we found a way to respond in the second. Um, you know, it's not like we dominated the second, but we, we played much better and had our chances and were able to stay in the game and give ourselves a chance to come back. And then I thought the third, we were really good. We kind of pushed and pushed and pushed, and um, you gave yourself a chance to find a way to get a puck through. And, um, you know, both both goals, we just get a puck through from the top and uh, have some traffic in front. And, uh, you know, obviously the shootout is... Uh, was big for the group. Everyone's really happy for Robin and uh, some two pretty special moves by our shooters. You're having every shot get blocked, it seemed like, for a while and then finally get those two through and it results in goals. Is that encouragement to, to keep doing that? Maybe? Yeah, we you know we had some shots blocked and we also passed up some shots uh, where we had a, a chance to get a puck through and then we're trying to make that final pass and um, you know we don't need to do that, especially on the road. Let's just get pucks to the net and uh, give ourselves a chance to get a bounce you look at their first goal like that wasn't normally that's not a chance but it goes off cuckoo's leg and all of a sudden it's in the net um so we got to do that ourselves and uh you know in the end we did and got rewarded for it Gustafson said he felt some redemption with the goal does he does he drive you crazy a little bit at times or just the, hey, the mistake but then the goal that's two sides of him yeah we uh hey we love him and uh want him to you know, want him to show his best side, give his best side of the team. And uh, obviously he would have liked to have the second goal back, but I uh, thought overall he played pretty well and a uh, big goal at the end. I hate to look, look past this game already, but you got two big conference games coming up and, and you, you had a hard time building momentum. Yeah. How, how do you keep it going now? Well, we just got to um, manage the game. I, I think uh, first period we did, we weren't... We were a little shy in a lot of uh, a lot of situations, uh, you know, puck battles, races. We just were not, you know, feel like we were ready to engage the way we needed to. And um, second period, we found it. 
and we need to do that from the start because you know you can't depend on the ability to come back on the road so that's what we need to do have that approach uh, from puck drop and then find a way to carry it through all the way and doesn't mean we're going to win but we'll give ourselves a chance said you can't depend on coming back but twice on the road now you've got it in a row uh, what does that say about this group and just kind of the, the resiliency yeah well we talked about playing to the end don't quit give ourselves a chance and uh, we've got some guys who aren't going to give up so that's that's good that's a you know, good sign of the character in our team and nice to see him get rewarded Henry said that he tried a new strategy of not moving too much in the shootout you've believed in him even though we've You've been questioning about it. Do you feel like this will help him turn the corner? Well, everyone needs a little positive reinforcement, uh, some confidence. You know, he's playing so well for us. It's um, You want him to get rewarded for it. You know, we made some real big saves to get us to that point. Um, again, I just don't love the idea of putting in a cold goalie. Uh, you saw their goalie get injured. He was he was fresh. Uh, you put someone in who's, who's cold, and he's got to make those kind of moves laterally. Not sure that's a great recipe. What can the top unit, uh, the power play unit, do differently? Shoot the puck. We got to shoot. Uh, you know, when we won't shoot it from the top, it's easy for teams to collapse and take away our seam plays and our low plays, and then it's basically a four on four. So, um, if we're willing to shoot from up top, then that'll open things up. We'll either score or we'll open up some other plays. But uh, we got to find a way to get pucks through from the top. You always want one of your special teams to be reliable and going at least at one time. You want to be gritty and have both of them clicking, but the Blackhawks penalty kill has has really been great so far over the course of the last nine games, 22 for their last 23. That's encouraging to see. On the other hand, the power play, which did have itself a good stretch of 7 for 25 over an 8 or 9 game stretch, they did come through in the clutch. Um on Sunday afternoon when they needed to most on their fourth opportunity, but finishing one for five. They're now one for 19 over their last four. And you heard Troy during the broadcast, for those of you listening on WGN Radio. It's a mess right now, especially with those first unit guys who are so talented that you lean upon. Uh, they are just completely out of sync. And um, I don't know what it's going to take for, for them to uh, snap out of it. The simple answer is, just keep moving the puck because especially in that overtime you saw a little bit of stagnation when it's four on three and you love Patrick Kane for everything that he has done for this franchise and continues to do but sometimes when the puck is on his stick um, it almost seems like he's holding it a little bit too long waiting for something to happen instead of allowing in this case three Blue Jackets guys to pretty much settle in right in front of their goaltender. Well, not only that, not only move the puck, but move yourself. I mean, when we saw that four-on-three in the overtime, it's just the diamond and three blue sweaters in the middle of it, and, and nobody's moving. What good is coming from that? But we've talked about it in the past. With so many skilled players, a lot of times the Blackhawks are a little hesitant to shoot because they're waiting for the perfect pass to create the perfect shot to create the perfect goal. And when your power play is struggling like that, that's not going to happen. The other thing is Columbus, we saw tonight, was such a good team at just clogging the lanes and blocking shots. So you got to find a way to get around that because they're not going to slip. You're, you're not going to find, you're not going to be able to thread the needle by just standing there. Uh, it's it's so interesting, too, because Troy said it today. They were talking about it on the television broadcast, and plenty of the Blackhawks said it. They just need to shoot the puck more. I mean, just, just release the puck off your stick, and it just seems so practical and so easy, and people are talking about that lesson being learned tonight. This team isn't a team that should be learning the lesson of shooting the puck in order to score more goals. Mm-hmm. We saw it happen today when, when Connor Murphy finally released it from the point and got the deflection. Uh, off of Dylan Strome. I, I mean, it just takes so long sometimes for this team to figure things out against the team they are playing. That's another thing Jeremy Colleton brought up today, was they need to manage the game better. They found their stride in the second period, but they needed to do it from the start. We've seen that team do it from the start, but have trouble just hanging on to it. Uh, it's it's not just the veterans, it's not just the young guys, it's, it's the entire team. And <laughs> the frustrating thing is, how much capability this team has when they are able to glue it all together and be consistent. But for some reason, they still are struggling to get over that hump. Timing worked out with it today. That's why they were able to get two points from it. But until they're able to generate that consistency, you're not going to see consistent wins. Speaking of the power play, uh, that leads us into our slap shot segments. And it's time to uh, lean on Ernie to take us into our next segment. 
Slapshot Questions. Tweet your questions to the guys at Bowden Tweets and at Joe underscore brand one for your questions to be read on the podcast. The Big E, Ernie Scatton, taking us into our hashtag Slapshot segments. Hey, we tweeted it out. This is the second week in a row. What, you know, where, where are you people? If you want, you want to answer, ask some questions that you want answered on the podcast. We did our job this yeah, time. we did our now job. Now do your Come job. On. You're being so shy. People must have bears on the brain or something <laughs> like that. How can you not after that Blackhawks 3-2 shootout victory in Columbus? Although Heather, who uh, has asked questions before, circled back to us. And, and she did have a power play question, which led us into this segment. And Heather asked us, even without the PP issue today, there seems to be a general reluctance to shoot the puck, especially amongst the younger guys. Do you think it's a confidence thing or wanting to feed the more experienced players? I'm not sure if that's necessarily the case because what we're seeing here, mostly the the number one unit has gotten the bulk of the time on the power play. And there you're talking about Kane and Taves and DeBrinket and Gustafson for the most part, although I think Jeremy decided to use Adam Boquist as part of that, and Dylan Strom. Those are your money guys you're relying on the power play, and to me there seems to be a confidence issue or reluctance sometimes for those guys not to fire away or get in lanes or or move their bodies or the puck itself to make it more difficult on the opposing team's penalty killers when uh, the likes of uh, of uh, uh, Doc and Kubalik and a couple of other the, uh, other the other unit has gotten over there. Uh, Nylander's been used there occasionally, and whether it's Gustafson or Boquist, those two have been flip-flopped. Uh, to me, it's more of a, uh, an issue of confidence among the guys who have had all the experience right now. And and uh, Troy wasn't shy in saying that, and I think uh, you know they have to kind of reconfigure one way or another where they want to attack it differently or just go back to the basics and get it ingrained in their mind to keep moving the puck and make those penalty killers work a little bit harder. I feel like I remember earlier this year when Troy was saying that it was so interesting. I forget what young player it was, but he was on Patrick Kane's line and he's coming down the ice and he said, it's so surprising. You see the younger player's head up more because he wants to see where Patrick Kane is. It's almost like his eyes are widening. I got to get it to Kane because he can do something with the puck that no one else can, and he, you know, increases our chances to score. I, I get where Heather is coming from with this, but I, I am kind of with you. I just think it's it's a general reluctance with the entire team. It really is. And, and when you're going through those power play droughts, it makes it all that more intense and all that more pressure to score, especially when the team isn't playing as well as it would like to. Now, it is crazy today how Eric Gustafson got his redemption on the power play that got its redemption today as well to tie the game finally. But again, just a matter of shooting the puck, finding an open lane. Again, Columbus was clogging the lane. So when you see an opportunity, go ahead and shoot the puck. I, the thing is, no one is going to say, man, we shot too many times in the power play mm-hmm. this time. It, it, if it doesn't work out, at least you tried it. I mean, that maybe that's a, a micro goal they should approach next game. Power play, we need at least three shots. Let's at least get three shots. Because what do they have? Two shots and the, the first, first two. two power plays today? No, none on the first two power plays. None on the so, first yeah, two. Okay. Yeah. They came up totally empty. Dabrinkit had himself a great look, and Alex is in one of those areas where yep. you thought when he scored on Friday night, okay, here we go. But again, that one-timer that other teams are defending a little bit better, even when he does get those opportunities, he is just a bit off and has been for the course of the entire season. So Heather, thanks for your question. We got another question, and I won't identify exactly from whom, but we get a a lot of these with the way the season has started and basically they're among the gist of as it was expressed to us in this one tweet at us today when will Carlton and Stan be fired well let me just say this it's easy to come out and say that and uh, I we you can understand fans frustrations uh, we've been spoiled uh, through three cups in six years, and I'm not saying the the standard and the bar should not be con- should not continue to be set very high. But if you're going to go there, I-, I know people are just trying to get frustrations off their chest, and they want to point the finger at one person or another person that the reason for this team's record is all because of this guy or that guy, and they should be fired. Well, tell you what, if you're if you're going to vent that much. And put it out there, and I know this is difficult to do, if you feel so strongly about that, why don't you just think of some kind of plan? All right, 
if you want so-and-so fired, who are you going to replace them from who's available and out there, whether it's a head coach or whether it's a general manager. And if you want them fired immediately, that's who the pool of people you're going to have to choose from. If you want to wait until the end of the year, which I think in my personal opinion, that management is going to do when they assessed, uh, you know, uh, where the Blackhawks finished, how they performed, who should be responsible, and whether that carries the weight of, you know, continuing in a job or losing a job, then give me some consideration of of who you, some people you might want to replace in those roles, rather than just get it out there and vent and demanding this person or that person should be fired. Okay, if you're demanding that, then Think of what the plan should be there moving forward. You know, uh, Mike Babcock's available, but is Mike Babcock as good a guy now as we thought he was compared to uh, what we're thinking six six uh, weeks ago? Go ask uh, go ask Toronto Maple Leafs fans what they think of Mike Babcock. Of course, you can ask Detroit Red Wings fans as well. If you want a new general manager, okay, if you want a new GM, who's out there right now or who do you think will be out there to potentially play Stan Bowen? Uh, that's all I'm saying. I'm not saying that they should go ahead and do this. And again, I firmly believe that's going to be evaluated at the end of the year. I don't think anything knee-jerk is going to happen unless things fall completely off the rails in which you know, upper management may decide to want to take a stand and let everybody know we are moving on from this and we will evaluate come at the end of the season people to pick and choose from and put someone in an interim role in their places right now. But if you're going to fire this off, give me some proposals at what you think should be done. I think that's that's very fair. And I think the other thing you need to ask if you're going to ask the question like the one we got is, what will make the Blackhawks better right now? Will, will firing Jeremy Colleton and Stan Bowman make the Blackhawks better right now? I'm in the belief that firing Jeremy Colleton will not make the Blackhawks better right now uh, because there's just too much time and in, in, in structure invested right now with this team, with the approach that they want to take offensively and defensively, and a, a head coach shakeup just to have a shakeup can't really have many benefits. Stan Bowman consideration, that's that's a whole other discussion. But like you said, who would you like in there? So if, if you are going to present that question, maybe have an answer for yourself. Mm-hmm. Because if you're going to ask us that question, have an answer for yourself. Because it's difficult to say the Blackhawks will be a better team right now if those two are moved. And uh, one of the decisions that Stan Bowman is going to have to make here moving forward, and maybe he has his mind made up already, is now an open salary cap situation, a much more wide-open salary cap situation, what would the decision for Brent Seabrook to go ahead and have season-ending shoulder surgery along with Calvin DeHaan? They're on long-term injured reserve, and when players are placed on that, you get salary cap relief. Now the Blackhawks have more than $10 million in salary cap space available, but uh, the decision has to be made on whether you're going to come in and bring in people to try and help your cause this year or whether you ride out what you have because the salaries of Seabrook and DeHaan aren't going to be going away in the off season, And if you bring somebody in uh, that you may have to decide to continue to pay unless they are a, a, a impending free agent themselves, uh, you're going to have to decide how you want to approach that. But since we did our last podcast and we were kind of wondering how that situation would play out, decision was made to put Brent Seabrook on long-term injury reserve along with Calvin DeHano was also announced that Brandon Saad is at least three weeks away from returning from his ankle injury. Jeremy also revealing on Saturday that Andrew Shaw is not near a, re- uh, a return in the near future. Um, and Drake Kajula continues to skate, but there is apparently a symptom or two that continues to pop up every couple of days that is preventing him from being totally cleared. But the uh, before we hear from Kirby Doc here, um, and the reason we want to hear from Doc is because he's going back to Vancouver for the first time since being drafted nearly six months ago at the end of this road trip. Kirby Doc was taken under Brent Seabrook's wing and is living with Brent and his family here. And um, when you hear some of the details of what Brent was dealing with, nothing I'm sure he ever wanted to get out public while he was continuing to play. But as the situation evolved and we kind of got into in our last podcast, Brent's level of play right now versus an opportunity of uh, a, a Boquist and a Gilbert and some other defensemen um, who are at Brent's level or playing at a little bit higher level, 
There were going to be possibilities that he was going to be healthy scratched. And in that situation, my belief was that if he was going to be playing part-time or this team was in a better situation that he can contribute at this point to a potential playoff team, he would gut it out. But uh, perhaps knowing and and looking down the road, seeing in the crystal ball that uh, his playing opportunities may be cut back, now is a time to address a bunch of issues that will require some long-term recovery that he may not have been willing to do so during an offseason and uh, probably which have probably gotten a little bit worse here through the first half of the season. And now Brent is uh, on the shelf. And uh, from what Jeremy said the other day, all intents and purposes are after a shoulder and a surgery on each hip over the course of the next couple of months, they think he's going to be ready to go in training camp, and hopefully it'll make him a little bit better player than what he has been over the course of the last year or two. Yeah, and once this all came out, it just basically speaks to Brent Seabrook's toughness, and uh, Duncan Keith put it as, you know, you might be able to call it stubbornness, but his stubbornness is why we were able to win three Stanley Cup championships, because this is a guy that wanted to do nothing but play hockey and be out on the ice for as much as possible in in his prime of course you want him to be out there as much as possible but hopefully moving forward for Brent Seabrook this is just something to put in the rearview mirror I've taken care of this physically now I have nothing that can hold me back except for things out of my control and and this can hopefully just be him putting the right foot forward and getting back to the type of player he was in the past and and hopefully maintaining that type of consistency like he was doing before and you know hopefully nothing but good things to move forward from this from Brent Seabrook because of everything he's contributed. Yeah, that's the hope for Brent. But at 35 years of age coming off those surgeries and the game being as it is, you don't know. Um so there is a huge question mark uh, over Brent's future here, his playing future as far as that's concerned and whether this will make him better or just you know the magnitude of three surgeries at his age. Uh, how his body will respond to that. We won't know until training camp next year, if he is ready to go by then, how he responds and uh, which way it goes following all these surgeries. But we mentioned Kirby Doc again. And Kirby, uh, in, in retrospect, upon hearing this news, um, you know, he was saddened to hear it. The decision was made while he was with family over the holiday break that uh, Brent was going to be shut down for the season. Uh, Brent continues to do a lot for Kirby, but I wanted to catch up with him uh, after Saturday's practice to talk about the fact that this three-game road trip is going to end in Vancouver, and it's been barely six months since Kirby was at Rogers Arena and the Blackhawks uh, called his name third overall in the NHL draft. To the surprise of a lot of people, after Jack Hughes and Capococco, Kirby Dot going to the Blackhawks. And I talked to him about a number of things, overcoming the concussion and how his game has improved, coping with the grind of the NHL. But as I caught up with him, just a couple of minutes of a brief interview here that I had with him on Saturday, I asked him whether he's going to give some thought when he walks into Rogers Arena come Thursday for that game against the Canucks about how far he's come in those six months. It's kind of crazy to think not too long ago I was just sitting in a chair in that uh, arena don't really know what my future was going to be like, and, and now I'm here. So uh, that'll be pretty cool. And obviously, stopping on Burnham along the way, and probably see some, some friends and family, and uh, that'll be nice. Yeah. So you and Jack have squared off two times already. You stay in touch with him, and uh, who's got the upper hand here? Yeah. <laughs> I, I mean, stay in touch with Jack quite a bit, obviously, when, when he was in town. We went out for dinner and uh, kind of caught up on each other's seasons. And um, I think we just kind of had that bond and friendship over, over the draft process just because we were going kind of going through the same thing and, and there's uh, a group of us that really connected at the at the combine and, and we, we all kind of just stay in touch to this day and, and see what each other's doing so uh, it's been good obviously Jack's got the the only goal so I mean if you're, if you're going that way that's uh, that's the advantage Jack well you got the shootout one yeah but <laughs> that one doesn't count towards the stats um just going back on, on the course of the last six months, how how disciplined did you have to be during training camp when you were going through the pr- protocol and not being able to, you know, uh, be in the mix, proving yourself, uh, earning your way, and staying patient through all of that? How difficult was that? Yeah, I was super tough. Um, 
I mean, 18-year-old kid, you, you kind of use training camp as, as a way to prove yourself, like you said, and to be hurt throughout all of it and kind of be separated from the team for a little bit and kind of on your own schedule sucked, but um, it was good. I mean, I took my time and made sure I was, I was feeling 100% before I came back because, I mean, uh, you look, you hear things all the time about guys who are, are rushing injuries back and then it affects them later on in life. And, um, I just wanted to make sure, especially as a young guy, kind of still developing, I wanted to be 100% ready before I stepped on the ice so that I could be at, uh, at my best. What, what have you learned most here about the NHL grind, the schedule, the caliber of competition, you know, uh, not allowing yourself to kind of get worn down mentally and physically? Yeah, that's huge. Um, <laughs> obviously, I was kind of used to a heavy schedule and lots of travel playing in the, in the Western Hockey League, but... Uh, it's nothing compared to this. I mean, it's still a lot more games and travels a little bit more in, in different time zones in, in that sort of sense. But um, as a young guy, I'm just kind of making sure I'm, I'm doing the right things away from the rink to keep my body and, and my mind at peace and uh, keep playing the way I'm playing. Well, I know you talk about you know what you need to improve most of, but where do you think you, you've made the most strides here in the first couple months? I think my 200-foot game. I mean, I've always kind of been able to produce offensively and um, at times I haven't been able to do that this year so I, I have to be effective in other ways on the ice to help, to help the team win so uh, I just need to kind of keep rounding out my game and uh, eventually the, the offense will come. When I asked him there about uh, where his game has improved most since uh, making his debut, whatever it was, October 20th against Alex Ovechkin and, and the Washington Capitals. Um, he's mentioned his 200-foot game. I followed that up on the question with Jeremy Colleton uh, shortly after I spoke with Kirby there, and Jeremy was in total agreement. And that speaks volumes because he is still in the lineup. As you recall, when they decided not to send him back to juniors, Jeremy said, there's going to be times when we're going to sit him. It's going to be better for him to sit up in the press box with the grind of the NHL or... Uh, perhaps a dip in his play because of the grind of the NHL. Well, he's only healthy scratched one so far, and the fact that he has just one point in his last 19 games shows the trust that the team has in him from a 200-foot standpoint, what he's doing defensively. And you can make the argument here in that last game, uh, Sunday here against the Columbus Blue Jackets, that that line soon-to-be 19-year-old Kirby Doc, later on, I think January 21st is his birthday, 21-year-old Alex Dabrinkit, and 22-year-old Dylan Strom was the Hawks' most dangerous line right there. And the fact that he has also been effective with whatever other line mates that Jeremy has put him with, generating chances, being responsible, taking the body, um, and, and playing a, a great overall game, uh, speaks volumes as to how excited you know the Blackhawks and their fans should be about a kid who's just about to turn 19 years old and despite scoring just one goal in 19 games at that age is able to set it aside and continue to play the rest of his game the way it should be played. Honestly, these next few months should remind Hawks fans of what it was like to watch when Patrick Kane and Jonathan Taves were coming up with the organization and watching these young kids grow because with the season-ending injuries of Brent Seabrook and Calvin DeHaan and Andrew Shaw seeming like he's not coming back anytime soon. And as you address Drake Kajula, we're going to see a lot of play from not just Kirby Doc, but Adam Boquist and uh, Dennis Gilbert and all these other young guys who are the Blackhawks' future, no matter where their future lies. And Troy Murray was a huge fan of the line today with Strom, Debrinkit, and Kirby Doc. You just mentioned how, oh, I, I think what they had ten out of their thirty shots on goal today, so a mm-hmm. third of their shots. Yeah, heck, let's let's just mix them all together. Let, let's see what they can do and just just let them fly, let them play day to day, let them have their highs and lows because they're having them at their at the NHL level. So it'll only be lessons learned moved from now on. And also, you take away the pressure of them thinking, oh, I might be sent back down to Rockford or I might be moved or something like that. If you just let them loose and just live their lives as NHLers, you'll probably get to see them in their best light. Yep, I'm sure yeah, Jeremy would be mixing and matching throughout the Who knows, by the time the middle of the game in Calgary rolls around, things might not be going well. And he'll he'll blow true. that up. He'll blow that up if necessary. But uh, it's going to be interesting to watch. And uh, again, uh, Kirby's overall game, despite, you know, uh, I would imagine 75, 80% of 18 year old kids who go through that kind of offensive drought 
it would really weigh on their mind. But uh, Kirby's been above all that in terms of his overall play and the trust that uh, he has instilled in the coaching staff, his teammates, and everyone else with his uh, overall level of play has been very impressive. So as we wrap up here, congratulations to Robin Leonard on getting a shootout victory. Congratulations to the Blackhawks, uh, now winners in five of their last seven. Let's see if they can keep this roll going here against two teams that they're trying to chase down in the West to wrap up this three-game road trip. Calgary on New Year's Eve. Again, we'll have a 7.30 pregame, an 8 o'clock puck drop for you on 720 WGN. And then they roll into Vancouver on Thursday to wrap things up. 8.30 pregame, 9 o'clock puck drop with John and Troy here on 720 WGN. And congratulations to Joe, because <laughs> our next podcast will be Joeless. Uh, we're going to come to you after Sunday's game against... The Detroit Red Wings. <laughs> It'll uh, drop on Monday morning for our next Blackhawks Crazy podcast. But Joe won't be with us because uh, he has more important things to do next weekend. Um, when did when did you send out the invitations to the the nuptials? I'm still waiting. Oh, yeah, waiting you haven't for gotten my, it yet. Waiting for my invitation in the in the mail for next uh, Saturday's extravaganza uh ernie skatton uh, uh, beyond the glass is wondering where his invitation is to yeah you usps wasn't too kind to us uh we did get a few bounce back i don't know chris i guess yours got lost in the shuffle too oh, but, uh, story of my life story <laughs> of my life well uh let the, well let's let's announce this though for all our our blackhawks crazy podcast listeners the rece- the doors to the reception are open it's open bar for for uh, <laughs> sure, joe's not? wedding at his reception on saturday night um, maybe he'll tweet out the location or something like that because I know when I got married almost 32 years ago, I invited all my podcast listeners oh, at course. that point. Of course. That they were free to uh, come to the reception. And and the drinks were on us for open bar. How about so. this? If uh, if you subscribe to the podcast, you get an invite, and for every like, I'll give you one beer per like. Ooh, there you go, there you go. But uh, time is of the essence. Yeah, time and location. It's TBD. Coming up on Saturday, but uh, congratulations uh, to you and uh, your lovely wife to be, fiance Allie. Yes, All thank right. you very congratulations much. Congratulations to you guys and. Uh, We'll let you slide uh, on our taping next Sunday after the game against the Red Wings, but uh, you better report back to work a week or so after that because that is the start of a four games in six nights homestand for the Blackhawks uh, after this three-game road trip and got to start climbing, got to start doing some damage there as well. We thank everyone for listening. Again, hope everyone had a Merry Christmas. We wish all of you the healthiest and happiest of New Year's as the calendar flips between this podcast and our next one coming up next Monday. Thanks to our producer, Curtis Koch. Thanks to Dan Long for starting us up here at the WGN Studios on the podcast. Ernie Scatton. For the dulcet tones on the intro, the outro, as well as the uh, the slap shots intro as well, and we're finishing up uh, production here as we record from the studios. Thanks always always to FanList as well for being our presenting sponsors. Blackhawks again, winners in five of their last seven. Let's see if they can keep this role going by the time we come to you next Monday after the game against the Detroit Red Wings from the United Center. Happy New Year, everyone! For Joe, I'm Chris Bowden, and we'll talk to you again next week. Thanks for listening to the Blackhawks Crazy Podcast. Tell a friend, subscribe, and join the conversation. And follow the guys on Twitter, at Bowden Tweets, and at Joe underscore brand one. That was great!